Please take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke, the second chapter, we are in a series of messages we've entitled The Promise of Christmas, looking at the Old Testament prophecies and going forward and seeing how these prophecies and these promises of God are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to look at an old man by the name of Simeon who was received, he received the promises of the Lord and how God fulfilled those in the person of Jesus Christ. This week has been a whirlwind of a week for myself and my family. Uh, For 10 years of my life, I have been reading uh, books in Greek and Latin and Hebrew, uh, getting ready and preparing and trying to finish uh, the PhD and the dissertation, and it all came to fruition uh, Friday in Dallas-Fort Worth area at Southwestern Seminary, and I actually finally walked, and I'm so excited. We got a picture here on the screen uh, of it happened, it's done. It was really, really cold. Everybody was happy with the exception of Elijah. Let's zoom in on Eli's face right there. If we can, he was not happy. He was not wanting to be there. He was missing Florida and the warm weather of Florida. But I really, really appreciate all of your prayers and support and cards and and well wishes. Uh, It was 10 long years, but it is done. And I said, now, Sarah, I'm going to go in and get another master's degree. She said, over my dead body. No more school. So, uh, so excited about that. Thank you again for your prayers. Please stand in the honor of reading God's word. Luke chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse number 25. Follow along in your translation as I read from mine. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit of the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Father, we thank you for this word. Now, Lord, I pray that I know many of us have come into this place with many thoughts, many issues, many questions. Some of us have come here and we are exhausted, we are burdened. We are weary. Father, may we lay all of that aside and, Father, that you would speak to us from your word. Oh, God, we want to hear from you today. We want to meet you here today. Speak to us, we beg in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Three things that we see from this Christmas promise. The promise has come. Number one, we see the promise was given. We see a promise given. It was a dark time in Israel when Simeon was alive during the birth of Christ. Israel, uh, it, was, it was in a war zone. Israel was controlled by an enemy, the Roman Empire. They controlled every aspect and every element of what the Jews 
were doing. They controlled uh, the temple. They controlled the grounds. They controlled the taxes. They, they controlled anything and everything there was to do uh, for the Jews. And so there was an occupier in the land of Israel, and this was a very dark time. And of course, we know that the Romans, they brought their gods with them. So not only did the Romans, the Gentiles, occupy the land, they also occupied the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God Jehovah, God, this is the land flowing with milk and honey. This is the land that God said, this is the land for my people, the Jews. And now Gentiles have come in the land and they have brought their own gods with them. So paganism prospered in the land of the Lord. Yet, despite all of this, there was a ray of hope. There was a a glimmer of hope in the darkness. Why? Because of the prophecies of God. The Jews, no matter how bad it got, no matter uh, how dark it got, no, no matter how much it looked like all was lost, they held on to hope when they were destroyed by the Assyrians, when they were carried away by the Babylonians, when, when they were led into the wilderness and there in Egypt, they, they still held on to hope because God had made a wonderful promise. And that promise was, I am sending a Messiah. I am sending the Savior of the world. I am sending my Savior son. And Simeon understood this. Simeon received this prophecy. He, he, he knew the prophecy. He, 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 he was the prophecy that was given. He received it. He know, notice what he says in verse 30. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This is a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 5. Simeon has received this prophecy made for all of Israel, and he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Isaiah says, this is what's going to happen when the Christ child comes. Verse 31, Simeon said, which you prepare before me before the face of all people. Direct fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 52, verse 10. Then Simeon said in verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. That's a direct Uh, fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 60. You see, it's a misnomer to think that Jesus came only for the Jews. Absolutely not. It was God's plan from the very beginning. Isaiah chapter 60, Luke chapter 2, verse 34, right here what Simeon said. He came for not only the Jews, he is the Jewish Messiah, but he's also the Messiah for the Gentiles, the Savior for the whole world. This was God's plan from the very beginning, that he was going to send the Savior. It, wasn't, it didn't, did not catch God by surprise that the Jews rejected Jesus. No, God sent, and we see it right here uh, plainly in the Scripture, but even before the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus came not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. Simeon believed. And he had faith, he had great faith in in these past prophecies that were uh, given by the prophets of old. Now there are many prophecies. These prophecies from 400, anywhere from 400 to 900, some even older than that, years before the birth of Jesus Christ, describing in great detail how the Messiah was going to come. We've been looking over these past few weeks at some of these promises uh, we, I could take a whole year and not even scratch the surface of the prophecies of the Old Testament that prophesied in great detail about Jesus Christ. And let me tell you that Jesus is the only one who fulfilled all of those prophecies. If you are still looking for the Messiah, friend, he's already come. His name is Jesus Christ. He was born in Bethlehem. He died on a cross and he rose again from the grave. His name is Jesus. 
Let me give you nine of these. Let's, let's go through these quickly. Let me give you nine prophecies. If you want to write these down, write them down. Prophecy number one, Jesus will come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was prophesied in the book of Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Also Genesis chapter 17, verse 19. This was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. When you read the lineage, the, 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 or the, the genealogy, the lineage of, of Jesus Christ right there in Matthew chapter 1, we see that the Messiah, Jesus, was born from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Prophecy number two, Jesus' mother will be a virgin, prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We talked about this last week that Jesus was born of a virgin. This is important. You cannot take the virgin birth out of the Christmas story. If you take the virgin birth out of the Christmas story, we've got a huge problem. Over in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 is where the first prophecy of the virgin birth would take place, right after the fall of man, right after Adam and Eve sinned, the great sin, and sin entered into uh, the earth and into the human DNA. It was at that point when God came to rectify what man messed up that he said, and, and God prophesied over Eve that day in Genesis three fifteen. He said, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. And as we said last week, any third grade science student knows that the seed does not belong to the woman. The seed belongs to man. But yet God said it was the seed, the offspring of woman that would come and crush the head of the serpent. How is it possible that a woman carries a seed except for a virgin birth? You see, the virgin birth is is necessary because if... All of us, as David said, are born into sin. We inherited sin from Adam, from our father, from the seed. However, when there's a virgin birth, Jesus did not have the sin flowing through his veins, coursing through his veins the way we did. Jesus was perfect. He was born of a virgin, not born of Joseph. Joseph was not his, his earthly father. Joseph was his stepdad. Joseph uh, had no part in, in, the, 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 uh, in the birth of Christ. It was a virgin birth, and we see this over and over again. Again, Isaiah prophesied that the virgin shall give birth, Isaiah 7, 14, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Just those two prophecies right there should give you very great detail and very great security that Jesus was who he said he was. Who else do you know? Anybody know of anyone that was born of a virgin? I don't. But you see, Jesus was. Fulfillment of prophecy right there. We, we, we don't have blind faith. We have a faith that's been tested. We have a faith that has been tried. We, our faith is not a blind faith. Our faith is a rich faith. A third prophecy. Jesus will be born in a town of Bethlehem. This was prophesied by Micah in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah proclaimed that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Understand, Bethlehem at the time when Micah the prophet was writing, Bethlehem was a big hick town. They they had no red lights. If you were riding on your camel through Bethlehem during the time of Micah, if you blink, you're through the town, right? It was a small, no-nothing town. It was full of carpenters. That was all. It was a very small town. You could even call it a town. But Micah prophesied, given by God, that Jesus, the Messiah, would be born in the city of Bethlehem just as it unfolded. Number four, Jesus will be called out of Egypt. 
Hosea prophesied about this. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. After Herod came and decided he was going to kill all the boys, uh, the, the, uh, the holy family left and went to take refuge in Egypt, and they returned. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus will be a member of the tribe of Judah, of the 12 sons of Jacob. He was of the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49, 10 tells us that, and of course we see it fulfilled in Luke chapter 3, verse 33. Number six, Jesus will be the lineage of David. This was prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, fulfilled fulfilled in Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Here's an interesting one, that there will be a star. Jesus' birth will be announced by a star over Israel. This prophecy was Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. I want you to look at this one. Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. We just sing about it, about the star that was over Bethlehem to signify and to tell these magi, these, these, these uh, astrologers from Persia that the coming king was here. Where did they hear about this? Where did, where did this come from? Numbers chapter 24, let me set the stage. Numbers 24 is all about this man by the name of Balaam. Ever heard of him? Balaam, a prophet of God. Balaam was hired by the king Balak to curse the nation of Israel. Uh, He received a lot of money to curse Israel. But every time Balaam opened his mouth to curse Israel, out came a blessing. He was trying to curse Israel, but every time he opened his mouth, he he blessed Israel. And of course, we know that Balaam wasn't the only one that was talking, right? He was bringing his donkey along, and his donkey stopped because the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. Balaam was so far outside of the will of God that he didn't see the angel of the Lord, and his donkey saw the angel of the Lord, and his donkey stopped, and, and he was going to beat the donkey to death. And the donkey spoke up and said, dude, what are you doing? God had to speak through a donkey to the prophet. How, I mean, the the, the prophet, what is a prophet? A prophet is a mouthpiece for God. His, His profession is to speak. His profession is to see God. His profession is to know where God is moving. And here was a man who completely missed God, but his donkey got it. This is the guy. But one of the prophecies that he prophesied is a prophecy of the birth of Christ. Numbers 24, verse 17, I see him, but not now. This is speaking of Jesus. I see him, but I don't, he, he's not here right now. I behold him, but he's not near. There, there's more time to come. There's more time to come. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. A star out of Jacob, a scepter out of Israel. I preached on this last year, and I'm not going to go into the great details of this passage. Go online and listen to the sermon there. But what this is, this describes the star of Bethlehem that the Magi saw. The Magi, we call them three kings. They weren't kings in in the way King Herod was a king or the way uh, we we think of kings today. They were astrologers. They were stargazers. They they looked at the stars and, and they believed that the stars told their destiny. There are people today that look to the stars and believe that the stars tell their destiny. We call that the horoscopes. I call it horror scopes because it's, it's great horror. It's horrific if you follow those things. Palm readers and stargazers, we, we, we look at these things and, and people trust these things. But listen, there's a problem with that. 
when, when, when somebody say, says, you want to read your horoscope or, or come to a palm reading, run far, far away. You know why? Because it's bogus. Why, why is it bogus? The creation cannot tell the creation what to do. Creation cannot predict the future for the creation. Your Bible says that on day, uh, day four of creation, he created the stars and the sun and the moon. All the galaxies God created on day four. Well, stars are creation. On day six, it says that he created you and me. He created man. We are a part of God's creation as well. And how foolish is it that we think as the created, that we can look at something else that he created, and that creation can tell us what we're supposed to do? We've got that backwards. Only the creator can tell us what to do. Only the creator knows the future. Only the creator can give us a destiny. Only the creator, the one who gave us life. Run far, far away when someone says, hey, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen in your life by, by looking at these cards or by looking at these stars. But these magi, that's what they were doing. The, the magi would have benefited from this sermon. They were looking at the stars and trying to understand what, what was going to take place. They had received this prophecy and go back to the sermon and I'll, in the sermon I tell you how they received the prophecy in two ways. There was a, a discovery that was found outside of Jordan in a Persian temple that had this inscription in it. Also, the prophet Daniel uh, would have spoken to the wise men in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 6. He spoke to wise men, and they, they received this, this story of, of Balaam and Numbers 24, 17. What's the point of this? It says, the star shall rise out of Jacob. God changed Jacob's name to what? Israel. A star shall come out of Israel, and a scepter shall come out of Israel. Here's the prophecy. A star, and when we, the, 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 the universe is a beautiful thing, isn't it? The skies are a beautiful thing. And Jesus even tells us that God speaks to us through the stars. Not about what our future is, but about what he is doing. They are, they are an expression of the creator. And God has used the heavenly bodies. He's used stars. He's used the sun. He made the sun stand still to prove a point. He's used the sun and the moon and the stars to, to show his glory throughout time. And when you read the book of Revelation, you understand that God is going to speak to creation, not about what our future is, but about what his future is. The beautiful thing about creation is that it works like a clock. There, there's... There, it, God set it in motion, and it, it, it just functions. It just works. You go outside tonight, and you look up in the sky with the naked eye, and you're going to see around 4,000 stars. How many galaxies are you seeing when you look up in that sky? Only one. It's called the Milky Way. It's our galaxy. Not, not the candy bar, but, but the, the galaxy. Did you realize that if you had a telescope and, and you, if we were able to see the whole Milky Way, while we can only see 4,000 stars from Earth with the naked eye, we're told that there are 400 billion stars in our galaxy. Well, we can't see them all, but, but they're there. 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. That's a lot. And then we're told that we're not, our galaxy's not alone. We're told there's 8 
100 billion other galaxies, each one with 400 billion stars. Now, I've got a PhD, but I can't do the math on that one. That's a lot of galaxies and a whole lot of stars. And your Bible says that God created every one of those stars and he calls all of them by name. He sets them in motion. You can go back and you can do research and you can see this for yourself. You can Google this if you don't believe it. But in 2 BC, an event happened that had never happened before and has not happened since. It's going to happen again next August, 2016. The last time it happened was at the birth of Christ. From Persia, from Babylon, looking toward the sky over Jerusalem, Venus, which is known as the morning star, came in and connected in the sky with Jupiter, which is the king planet. And it created in the sky the largest, most brightest light that the night sky has ever seen before. It's factual. It happened never happened before, hasn't happened since, but it happened on that day. And as they looked from their land, the Magi, not, not kings, but astrologers, they were looking at the sky. What is the prophecy? A star shall rise out of Jacob, the morning star, Venus, the, 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 the planet that we can see from our own sky, met Jupiter, which is the king planet, the large planet. The scepter is a, is a picture of a king. So you have Venus and you have Jupiter, fulfillment of Numbers 24, 17. A star shall rise out of Jacob, a scepter out of Israel. This morning star Venus shall come with the, the scepter Jupiter and they will meet in the sky. And there was the Bethlehem star over Bethlehem. It happened. It's scientifically true. Now, we don't need science to tell us that the Bible's true, but isn't it neat when science validates the claims of Scripture? You see, we don't have a blind faith. We have a faith that's been tested, and you can test this and test this and test this, and it comes out true every single time. These magi were were looking for a star. They had received the prophecy generations ago. They were looking for the star, and they finally received it, and it announced a king. It was resting over Jerusalem. Now, as the Magi come and they, the star is over Israel, they know it's, it, the king has come, the king has come, the king has come. Where's the king going to be? Well, he's going to be in the palace. That's where kings are born, right? That's where kings live, in the palace. So they show up and they meet King Herod. And the rest is history. Number eight, another uh, prophecy given in the Old Testament fulfilled by Christ. Jesus will be visited by men bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh prophesied in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6, fulfilled Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. The ninth prophecy, Jesus will enter the temple. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the problem is that the temple's gone. So the Messiah had to have come before 70 AD because that's when the temple was destroyed by Titus, the Roman general. So according to Malachi, the Messiah will enter the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus did that in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 27 and and other places. You see, all of the prophecies scream that the Messiah has come, the Messiah has come, the Messiah has come. His name is Jesus. You see, the promise has been given. 
But not only was the promise given, and Simeon understood these promises, he, he also received these promises. We see the promise received. Simeon described as a man obedient to the will of God. We move from the promise given to the promise received. He was taught by the word of God, led by the spirit of God. He was a just man, a devout man. He was a believer in the Messiah. He was a man of faith, a saved man. You say, well, how in the world was Simeon saved? Jesus had not died yet. He was saved as all of the other Old Testament saints were saved. According to the writer of the book of Hebrews, the, the, the Old Testament saints were saved by faith. The same way you're saved is the way they were saved. They were saved by faith, trusting in the coming Messiah. Now, we've got it easy because Christ has already come. We know his name. They were looking for Emmanuel. They were looking for a person born of a virgin. They were looking for a person to be born in Bethlehem. They were looking for a person that was going to receive gifts from, from Gentiles. They were, looking for, they were looking for all of these things, but yet they had faith in the coming Messiah. We can look on this end of the cross and we have the whole story, the witness of history. We have the evidences of Christ's life, his death, his resurrection, all of that. We have the entire message. But when Simeon saw the baby Jesus, when he, he took him up into his arms, he held him up, he said, I have seen the Messiah. He has come. The beautiful thing about Simeon holding this baby up for all eyes to see. He said, this is the Messiah. What faith. What magnificent faith this man had to have had to be able to look at a little helpless baby, to believe that this baby is the savior, this helpless little baby is the savior of all mankind. And he took him up into his arms and he knew nothing else could compare to what he just saw. Simeon the just, Simeon the righteous man waited for the consolation of Israel. You see that there in your Bible? Verse 25, consolation of Israel. We sing about it, we read about it in scripture. What does consolation mean? That word consolation, actually from the Greek, is the word parakletos, where we get our word paraclete from. It's the same word used in John chapter 14 when Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit who's going to have to go away, but I, or Jesus is going to go away, but I'm going to send the paraclete, the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit is going to come and live with you and live in you. It's a call of comfort, the consolation of Israel, the, the comfort of Israel, the helper of Israel. Well, you say comfort from what? Well, what, what did Israel need comfort from? Well, they needed comfort from their sin. They needed comfort from Roman occupation, comfort of, from, from living in exile apart from God's protection, comfort from pain of life apart from God. You see, Jesus' coming brings us great comfort. What it means is that God has not forgotten. God promised a great promise. He promised he would send the Savior. He promised he would send the Messiah. He promised he would send one who was going to bring great comfort. And he fulfilled his promise. The promise received. Simeon said, now let thy servant depart in peace. He said, Lord, my mission is accomplished. Let me tell you something about what I believe about every single life. I believe that God has a plan for every one of us. Go back to what I said about our solar system. We can see 4,000 stars, but in our one galaxy, there's 400 billion stars. 
in the 800 billion galaxies that are out there, each one contained 400 billion stars. They're all different, yet God knows all of them. When a zebra gives birth, after the zebra gives birth to a colt, you know what that zebra does? What most animals do is they take, they come in together into a herd and they, they, they put the, the, the baby, the colt, into the middle of the herd to protect it from lions and, and other beasts. But zebras are different. You know what a zebra does? After a zebra gives birth to a colt, the mama zebra takes the colt away from the herd and over here what seems to be in danger, away from everyone. And that mama colt is, is or that, that, that mama zebra is, is teaching that colt something. You know what she's teaching him? She's teaching him her stripes. See, of all of the zebras that have ever been in existence, there are no two zebras the same. Every zebra has a different stripe pattern. Every zebra is unique. And so mama zebra is teaching baby zebra her, her pattern so that when danger comes, when the lions come, baby zebra knows where mama zebra is because baby zebra has memorized the stripes on mama zebra. All unique. I want you to look at your hand. Everybody look at your hand. This is not a hard thing to do. Just look at your hand. When you look at your hand and you put it in the light, you're going to see a fingerprint there. And your fingerprint is different from the fingerprint of every other person that has ever lived. You are unique. God created you with a special plan. Just as all zebras are unique, just as all stars are unique, you are unique as well. And God created you with a beautiful plan, a beautiful promise, a beautiful destiny. I I don't know what yours is. You have to discover that. You have to live your own life. I can't live my life through you. But God has given you a special gift, a, a special talent. He's created you unique. He did not mess up when he created you. You say, I'm too short. God, where's my, where's my height? God, did you leave it up there in heaven? No, he didn't. He created you just the way he wanted you. You say, well, where's my hair? God forgot to give me hair. He didn't forget, friend. He created you bald. That's the way you came into this world bald. You're going to go out of this world. It's it's okay. But God did not mess up. God has a specific plan and purpose for your life. Stop living and, and just living in neutral and begin to take God seriously. If you miss everything I've said today, don't miss this. This stuff is real. Eight hundred years before Jesus was born, and I just gave you nine of them, nine prophecies, all of them fulfilled in Jesus. That's pretty cool. That tells us that God is real, that the Bible is real, that Jesus is real. That means that what Jesus said is true. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. You know what that means? Jesus is coming back. Jesus is returning. So why don't we live our life with the expectancy that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment? Live our life sharing our faith. Live our life living our faith. The promise received. Receive that promise. Let's think for just a moment. When do we need comfort? 
we talked about why we need comfort, but when do we need comfort? If you have a little baby or a child, this coming week they're going to be opening Christmas presents under the Christmas tree. Does your child need comfort as he's ripping into those packages and, and opening those, those toys? No. He may need comfort if he, if he realizes he's got clothes in those, those presents, but as he's ripping those toys open, he, he doesn't need comfort, right? Children don't need comfort when things are good. When do children need comfort? When things are bad. When do we need comfort? Do we need comfort when things are good? No, we need things when, 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 when things turn ugly. You see, what Simeon tells us here is the reality of what the New Testament talks about over and over and over again, that Jesus is our comfort even in the hardest parts of life. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. You know, I found to be true in life. That when life takes a turn and situations occur that, that knock the breath out of us, when things happen that are not supposed to happen, when, when situations of life that we did not plan for and this was not in our agenda, this was not the way it was supposed to go, this was not supposed to happen this way, when the unexpected out of the blue happens, when trials happen and, and, and they throw us for a loop, situations that are beyond our control, that there's no way that we can fix it, in those moments, you know what I found? That when I turn to God and I turn to his word, I find great comfort. I look to men, I don't find comfort, but I, I turn to God. I turn to his word. I, I find someone who understands. I find someone who understands sacrifice. I find someone who understands pain. I find someone who understands when, when, when people turn their back on you. I find someone who understands that because God has experienced it all. He is the God of all comfort. I don't always get my way. Rarely do these bad experiences get reversed, but we find comfort. And it helps me. It helps me to know that he comforts. That's the Christian hope. Number three, we see the promise expected. In verses 34 and 35, Simeon turns his attention. Notice what he says. Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35. Your Bible says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What does that mean? What is this future promise that, that Simeon, that this, this thing that you better expect it because it's going to happen? What is he talking about? He said, when, 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 when he comes, this child is set for the rising and the fall of many. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ divides humanity. He's a polarizing figure, isn't he? He always has been. Jesus has always been a polarizing figure. He still is. Go out into the public arena and talk about God all you want to. You're not going to face any persecution. Talk about God, believing in God, trusting in God, praying to God. You hear sports figures and, and, and entertainment people talk about God all the time. Nobody thinks another thing about it. 
but you let your mouth open up and say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, all hell's gonna break loose. You wanna be a polarizing figure in the public arena today. You go out and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You just polarize yourself. Why? Because Jesus is a polarizing figure. He said, don't you think that people who hated me, they're going to hate you as well? Don't, don't, find, it, don't find it peculiar when, when people reject you for my name's sake. You see, people, people need the truth, but people are afraid of the truth. Have you ever been in a dark room and your eyes get adjusted to the dark and then somebody comes in and flips a light on? What do you do? <clears throat> that hurts. That's what we're talking about. The world is a very, very, very dark place and a lot of people have gotten used to the darkness. And when you come and you shine light, people say, ah, they flinch. Don't give me that. Turn that light off. Turn that truth off. I don't want to hear it. I'm good. I'm fine. I want to live in the darkness. Oh, but you're missing so much. You're missing so much. Everything in history rises and falls. Even our calendar system is based on the birth and the death of Jesus Christ. All of history has been influenced and impacted by this man. And the prophet also said to Mary, your heart is going to be pierced also, Mary. Mary probably didn't understand that. She probably didn't get it. She did 33 years after Simeon spoke that, though. As she was standing at the foot of a cross, looking up at her dead son. The son who she held, the son in whom she loved, those feet that were running down the uh, carpenter store that Joseph owned are now nailed to that cross. Her heart broken. Her heart broken. Her heart pierced. But you see, that's the message of Christmas. Too often, you know, we, 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 the Christmas message is much more than a cradle in Bethlehem. You understand that, right? The message of Christmas is so much more than Bethlehem. The cradle, it's, it's about a cradle, it's about a cross, it's about a crown. A cradle, a cross, and a crown. That's the message of Christmas. The cradle, Jesus was placed in that wooden cradle. God became a man in that wooden cradle. But the, cra the wood of the cradle touches the wood of the cross. You see, Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born with one mission and one mission only, to live a life without sin, to, to, to bring sight to the blind, to, to, to do all of this. But his mission, his mission was to die. He was born to die. But you see, we don't have a dead Savior. We have a living Savior. He didn't stay in that tomb. He was resurrected. For you see, he didn't stay on that cross. He didn't stay in that cradle. He now has a crown. He's been exalted above every name that at the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's been exalted. The message of Christmas is the message of a cradle, a cross, and a crown.